0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP.
1: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the game changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz, say what? Oh, what is she talking about? Well, let's go all the way back to the time frame of 55 to 135 A.D., I know, before any of us were here. There was a Greek philosopher named Epictetus. I will spell that if you want to Google him because he's being quoted online today and often. It's E-P-I-C-T-E-T-U-S. And his famous words of wisdom. Listen up. Listen is the operative word. He said, we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. Well, guess what? That applies to life in general today. Come on. If you're talking too much, just start listening a little more. But more important for this series, which is Social Selling with Game Changers Radio, this is great advice for social selling and a new skill set called Social Listening. So listen up, say what? Well, how does this work? In reality, you have customers, you have prospects. What do they want the most? They want you to hear them. They want you to listen to them. So where can you do that? Well, it's really easy. You can listen to them right now on social media platforms. They are out there. They're writing, they're talking, they're responding, reacting. They're sharing their ideas, their thoughts, sometimes their innermost thoughts. Their opinions, POVs, are important. And perhaps most important, their business challenges. That's where the gravy is. So. Do you really know how to listen to them? You may know where to find them, but do you know how to listen? Well, as I mentioned, it's called social listening. If you already have this skill set, bravo to you. It's wonderful. We hope you're doing well. If you don't, we've got some great advice on how to get started. And if you're doing it but not so sure your techniques are working well, listen up anyway because we still have good advice for you. We have a panel of experts who are going to share their insights, their expertise, their points of view on the social listening basics. They'll talk about how to do it well, really, really well, and how social listening impacts your customer relationships. And ultimately, what is it all about? Sales. It's okay to say that word. So let me introduce our first guest. She's been on Game Changers Radio with me before in another series. We're pleased to welcome back Hillary Carter. By the way, she spells Hillary with one L, H-I-L-A-R-Y, if you want to look her up. She's the founder of Intune Communications, a strategic communications company that consults to businesses individuals, and community-based organizations on social media. And Hillary sent me a fascinating quote from Stuart Brand. If you're scratching your head as I was, let me tell you who he is. He's an American writer best known as the editor of the Whole Earth Catalog. I know you've heard of that. He founded many organizations, including The Well, W-E-L-L, the Global Business Network, and the Long Now Foundation. Look him up. Lots of interesting stuff. And here's the quote. Once a new technology rolls over you, if you're not part of the steamroller, you're part of the road. Ooh, a lot of picture words in there. Hillary Carter, welcome back. How are you, Hillary? I'm
2: great, thanks, Bonnie. It's wonderful to be back. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be back on the
1: show. We're delighted, and I am just delighted that you've introduced me to Stuart Brand. I love this. I'm, I'm seeing roadkill here, and I'm seeing people, basically, who don't understand social selling, social listening, as part of that roadkill. So, Hillary, why don't you explain the quote to us and how it really relates to the topic, please?
2: Well, thanks. And, yeah, Stuart Brand is a really interesting um, uh, thinker and, and theorist, and, uh, he you know, he's got some ideas that are really, that conjure up notions of Jurassic Park. But where this quote, uh, where it really spoke to me about once a new technology rolls over you and the imagery that comes with either being either driving the steamroller or being a part of the road, is that I think all of us have to come to terms with digital disruption and how new technology can um, really help our businesses, or if we if we fail to. Move forward uh, in a digital economy, we're going to be left behind, and so many individuals um, don't realize that unless they, they implement some of the changes necessary—social listening being a, a big one of the um, success methods today—that they're going to, they, they won't advance their careers as readily. That they may even face uh, an accelerated retirement. Because the people who are, are set for success are those who will become really skilled at listening to what their customers need and want and, and then making the changes within their businesses to address those unmet needs and to deliver them and to work collaboratively in this digital economy. So none of us want to be the road. I haven't met anybody who, who really <laughs> thinks that being part of the road is a great idea and yet there is so much resistance to taking on, um, you know, taking the time to understand how these new tools function, how we can go about social listening, and, and really jumping in and using them to our strategic advantage.
1: Thank you, Hillary. Great insights. And I'm thinking that social listening, really the way we're talking about it today, is A mantra, like the quote I opened up with from Epictetus from 55 AD, Hillary, it's really a mantra for how we need to have all of our business conversations. Wouldn't you say so? Conversation, not a monologue. Listen twice, think a lot, speak once. Isn't that really, doesn't it reflect on how we're supposed to be conducting business separate from social selling as well, Hillary?
2: Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, the two ears, one mouth, Um, analogy is almost too generous uh, for effective social listening. One of the rules that I like to apply is the 90-10 rule, which takes listening to a 90% extreme and talking to um, reflect 10% of our total activities. It's really, really important, not just for social media platforms, but when a customer walks in to your store or... um, approaches your counter or phones, it's really important that, that we listen. It's the hardest thing to do because we all love to talk about numero uno ourselves, And uh, but where mm-hmm. the opportunities
1: are are to listen to other people, particularly Th- our customers. Thank you, Hillary. By the way, I have a little piece of trivia f- about Stuart Brand. I don't know if you're aware of this, but since the 60s, he has lived on a boat, a 64-foot working tugboat. With his wife, his second wife, the boat was built in 1912. It's moored in a Sausalita, California, former shipyard. And he works on a grounded fishing boat a 100 yards away. And did you know, Hillary, that one of his prized possessions is a table, supposedly the table that Otis Redding wrote sitting on the dock of the bay on that table and he bought it from an antique dealer with the understanding that this was Otis reddings did you know that hillary i did not know that but what a
2: terrific conversation piece Uh, and i think we all need we all need to have those those pieces um (laughs) as part of who we are and how we can
1: connect emotionally to other people that's good fun connect emotionally thank you very good point we'll bring that in thank you and nice to have you back let's bring on our second panelist he's a newcomer to Game Changers Radio he is Julio Viscovich I'm going to spell his last name in case you want to look him up V-I-S-K-O-V-I-C-H he's the vice president of marketing at a company called R Factor I'll spell that too lowercase r capital F small a-c-t-r R Factor a social selling enablement and employee advocacy platform for the enterprise and we have a Julio Viscovich original quote how lucky are we and here it is social selling is not for the hard sell it's to build trust and credibility and julio was quoted in linkedin sales solutions with this and there's a great poster with his face on it to evidence this quote julio welcome how are you today
3: i am phenomenal bonnie thank you very much for having me i couldn't uh, think of a better way to spend my uh, my morning with you
1: well you are too kind so tell me about this original viscovich quote
3: Well, hey, I feel a little strange being put up against uh, both uh, a philosopher and and such a a great writer. So I'll certainly have to uh, really dive in and, and give some good insight behind this quote, I feel. Go ahead. Well, why I think social is a place to build trust and credibility and why I feel that that is a quote that needs to be put out there is because today salespeople are using social media in the opposite way in which it's intended or Hmm. the opposite way in which it's going to yield the most effective results. So as we mentioned already, and I think, you know, what Hillary said was great, focusing on the 90-10 rule, going on there and using social media as a place to gather information to listen, to understand our buyers, and to then take that information and have a good conversation focused on business needs, focused on building rapport quickly, and using the information online to shape your conversations, not to use the information online to jump in and start selling over social. That's, that's to me, the opposite approach. And looking at social media and form of listening first and then speaking second, I think mm-hmm. is something everybody needs to understand in today's day and age.
1: Very interesting. Uh, Julio, going back to my opening, I mentioned that you can hear your customers. You can listen to them on social platforms, obviously. I talked about the fact that they are freely sharing their ideas, their thoughts, their opinions, and their challenges. So just quickly, any quick tips on a way to address a challenge if somebody says, oh, boy, my supply chain's really in trouble this week. We're not delivering on the widgets that XYZ Company is expecting, and we've got too many suppliers, blah, blah, blah. Is there a way to jump into that conversation without doing a hard sell. any One quick tip you would offer to our listeners? I know you're going to share a lot more during the roundtable, but any quick tip on how to listen to a challenge and jump in to build trust and credibility without jumping in and becoming a nuisance?
3: Yes, absolutely. And it's about just keeping your ear to the ground, listening with your ears for those buying signals or buying triggers that you're mentioning, Bonnie. And when somebody mentions, hey, I just got a demo with your competitor, which is, you know, a hard buying signal versus, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a softer buying signal where, you know, somebody's just out there asking some general questions. As a good social seller, it's your job to find out the right way to listen, which hashtags are they using, which communities are they in online, and ah. offer valuable insight. So be the first person to hear that question and to give a response, a thoughtful, valuable response. And I think that's the way that you can use social to initially build trust and credibility
1: and you said thoughtful and valuable response that's it that's the key that's what I was looking for thank you Julio looking forward to a lot more from you and joining the panel is the sponsor of this series we love having her on the show she owns the calendar and why not because she has so much to say she's passionate about social selling it's Kirsten Boyle I feel like I'm introducing you at the Academy Awards or the Emmys Kirsten (laughs) and here's Kirsten Director of Digital Startup leading the SAP Social Business and Social Selling Initiatives for Global Marketing and Kirsten has sent me a wonderful quote from Stephen R. Covey or Covey, depending on whether you're a tomato or tomato person. And Stephen Covey, uh, those of you may not remember, uh, he lived from 1932 to 2012. He was an American educator author, businessman, keynote speaker and the book everybody knows him by is The 7 Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of his teachings and he he impacted people all over the world with what he called his universal principles and meaning in life and he taught these three principles. The three constants in life are change, choice and principles and he believed in a principle centered life in all areas of what we do so there and here's the quote most people do not listen with the intent to understand they listen with the intent to reply Kirsten couldn't be a more perfect quote for our topic welcome back how are you
4: I am wonderful Bonnie thank you very much
1: thank you and thanks for assembling such a great panel we're off to a great start so talk to me about this Covey
4: quote very interesting yeah, I came across that a, a little while ago, and I thought, "Oh, that is just so appropriate when it comes to social listening." Um, we often one of the things that we we teach our our salespeople is to, you know, to really listen, and and as Julio said, provide that valuable, thoughtful response. Um, <clears throat> and what what we find is that if they don't have that that kind of instinct around how to. Um, have that valuable response they they their first um, thing to do is just to respond with well i've got this great solution for you uh, and that's mm-hmm. the that that intent to reply i just want to get i just want to get that information out there instead of understanding where the customer is coming from and understanding what their challenge is uh and and then using that to create that valuable response, so I really felt that it was it really fit with a social listening um, uh, topic for today.
1: It's absolutely perfect. And you were the one who sent me this. We have two ears and one mouth. Did you know that that goes all the way back to fifty five to one thirty five A.D. Yeah. I did not. I- You know, I love to do my homework. You know that. (laughs) So let's circle back to Hillary, and I'll ask our storytelling question, and we are going to be listening very closely to learn a little bit more about Hillary Carter. So, Hillary, what are you drinking right now during the show, or what are you planning to drink after? And this is officially What's in Your Cup today. Hillary Carter, Intune Communications, talk to me.
2: All right. So my cup, I um, I love black coffee in the morning. So I'm so I'm drinking my coffee still, and uh, it's it's not very exciting coffee per se. But what I what I'm excited about this morning is the mug that I've chosen to drink my coffee in, uh, which will tell you a little something about um, about my background. I have I've pulled out my um, family mug on my. Father's side, so it's my maiden name. It's the McDonald family, M-A-C capital D, and it has our family um, motto, uh, which is an old Scottish uh, clan motto. And the McDonald clan motto is "My hope is constant in thee," and I love that um, motto. I think it's um, it's very positive, and it really reflects who I am and and my hope for the future and my hope for uh, the world to be a better place and really my hope that, that um, people will, will behave in a more constructive and positive way um, online and I think there's right now just probably a little bit too much negativity and there's way too much bullying but I think I'm still driven and motivated by the opportunity to make it better so my hope is constant in the and um, that's, that's a little bit about what drives me. That's my why. And that's where my, uh, that's where my coffee's sitting this morning.
1: Thank you very much. I love coffee mug stories and family history. Thank you, Hillary. Great story. Now we know a little bit more about you, Julio Viskovic. I know you're all in Canada, by the way. I'm the sole U.S. person today on the call today, which is interesting. Julio, what are you drinking? This is your first time on the show. Tell us an interesting story, or what are you planning to drink afterwards?
0: And I am
3: drinking right now a large cup of coffee that has originated from Cuba. And why I'm mentioning that is I do not drink anything else. And you can hear my coffee mug clanking down right now. And I cannot put it down. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm worked up. And that's why I drink my Cuban coffee, because it gives me that extra kick that I need in the morning. And also, I always want to make sure that everything I drink is fair trade. I'm a huge proponent of that. I'm big, big fan of... Doing what I can, volunteering, um, and giving back to communities. So whenever I have a chance to, you know, give back through anything I purchase, whether that's you know to folks here in Canada, to the communities around, or to communities that are participating in bringing me um, my consumables, I love to give back. So um, you're looking at a big steaming cup of Cuban coffee on my desk this morning, buddy.
1: Thank you. Very interesting. We love the backstory about volunteering, giving back, and fair trade. Julio, tell me something. Is there a brand name or a flavor to this Cuban coffee? I know everybody would love to know.
3: Hey, I, I don't think I can give that out, Bonnie, because you know, it's, uh, if I do that, then I'm going to see supply and demand kick in, and I'm not going to be able to get my orders. But um, I will leave it at it is a nice arabica coffee bean, and, uh, and I'll uh. leave it at that.
1: We'll go with that. You know, the Pope just came back from Cuba, and he might have had some Cuban coffee there. Hopefully, it was fair trade as well, Julio. So there might already be a run on Cuban coffee. You never know who's going to start that. What can I tell you? So you go do a little hoarding after the show. Make sure you have what you need for the cold winter ahead. Thank you. Kirsten Boileau. what are you drinking? You've done this so many times. Anything <laughs> new and exciting in your cup today, Kirsten?
4: I am not having my normal chai latte today. I am drinking. I'm trying to be healthy, and I am drinking lemon water uh, in a insulated cup. That's about it.
1: Real lemon water. Is this hot water, cold water, what is it? Room temperature. It's cold water with lemon in it. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, that's the sunshine in your cup. We'll just say she's drinking a <laughs> cup of, of sunshine. Hillary would like that. Guess what? They only let Bonnie have non-caffeinated beverages on show days. I wonder why. So I've got a class of, class of cool, clear water in a very pretty cup with a light green straw because we're talking about social selling. The green is for selling, but it's light green because it's for calm, quiet, trustworthy, thoughtful, listening selling. And that's our topic today social selling. So we're calling today's episode Social Selling. Can you hear me? And a subset of that title could be Social Selling Please Are You Listening to Me? That might be the better title. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. So pleased today to be speaking with Hillary Carter from InTune Communications, Julia Viscovich at R Factor again. That's R F A C T R. Only one vowel. Leave the others out. And Kirsten Boilo at SAP. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers Radio. This is episode number three if you're keeping track of this new series. We'll be right back after the break. And Hillary Carter and I are going to do a little uh, noodling here over the break and decide where we're going to start this exciting roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. (music)
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams, and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to social selling with game changers presented by sap email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. now let's get back to social selling with game changers
1: and we are back. You're listening to Social Selling, as the gentleman said. Our topic today is can you hear me or how to do social listening the right way. Our panelists today are Hillary Carter, Julio Viscovich, Kirsten Boyleau. And we're going to kick off the roundtable right now with Hillary Carter and Intune Communications. Hillary, I think it's time that we give what we used to call the nitty-gritty, the, the guts of how to really do this. I promised our listeners that our panel of experts, you, Julio, and Kirsten, would share your insights and your expertise on how to be a good or a really, really good social listener with the ultimate goal of getting sales, but the right way. And the right way today is listening, a conversation, building trust, credibility, understanding, hearing, and not just slam-bam, pushing a solution on somebody. So let's get started. You talk about in your notes to me, Hillary, how to conduct social listening. And I'm going to start with one piece here and have you go with it. You say, understand what a hashtag is and why it's like a gift wrapped up in a large bow for businesses. I love this. I have no clue what it means. So why don't you explain? Hillary? go ahead.
2: Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, a hashtag is an incredibly important social listening tool because a hashtag is a topic that allows us to connect to a community, a very specific community uh, that relates to our business. So I'll give you one example. Uh, I've recently done some research about uh, the community who live with the disease called psoriasis. Mm -hmm. And they are very active on social media and they will advocate for themselves. They want to be heard uh, by the healthcare community. They want access to uh, better information. They want access to better treatment and so on and so forth. And so for companies who really want to get to know what their audiences need, what their unmet needs are, we can simply go to social media, particularly Twitter, and search the hashtag psoriasis. And you will instantly be connected to a global community who are um, using their voices and using these tools to talk about what they need. And it is, it's like a gift. And so... Businesses need to just begin and begin by, by going to these spaces and using a hashtag that relates to your audiences and, and you'll be able to hear an abundance of information about what they're saying, what they need, what they like, what they don't like. And then that's, that's, that's free information. And we can take that information and then mm-hmm. translate it into actionable items that deliver the services that people are asking for.
1: Interesting now, now, uh, if you see a lot of hashtags, you need to go to every one of those and see who's there and start following all those people, Hillary, or how do you get into those conversations what 's the next step after recognizing and pursuing where those hashtags lead you? What do you do if you find out that five thousand people are currently active and that hashtag is trending? What do you do? Well, you can
2: move from anonymous listening to uh-huh. more engaged and active listening. So if you're determined to connect with every person who's using a hashtag, then by all means, you can connect with them without following them. You can validate their um, their conversations by simply acknowledging them through a favorite or a reply to say, we are working on meeting these needs in these fundamental ways. Stay tuned. We're just saying we, we hear you and, and this motivates us uh, to do things better every single day. So yes, you can actively follow anybody who's, who's using a particular hashtag, or you can just uh, listen more anonymously and, and compile data uh, about certain conversations. So the level of engagement, the level of community building is really, it depends on the objectives of the organization or the individual. So it can be overwhelming, but it can also be, uh, you can, it can lead you to quite a specific audience. Uh, and the more strategic the hashtag, the more targeted the audience the business is going to connect to.
1: And Hilary, your underlying message is that if you're in business and you want to do social selling, you'd better be on Twitter. Isn't that what we're really saying? That's the club you need to belong to in order to take advantage of this because that's where hashtags are. Any thoughts on that quickly?
2: Yeah, I would say Twitter is the ideal platform for strategic use of hashtags. However, I strongly believe that social selling activities, um, the term social selling can be a tiny bit misleading. Effective social selling means adding value to your community, listening to what they need, and validating their messaging. So LinkedIn can also be a very powerful tool for effective social selling, whereby you... you Connect with your audiences. If your audiences are on LinkedIn, by all means, you need to be there. If your audiences are on Twitter, and, and most are, definitely be there. I think those are the two most important business networks. Uh, but, but Facebook cannot be ignored. It all depends on your business. Where are your buyers is the first question that needs to be asked. And then go in to these individual networks and and engage with them wherever they are. But I think certainly Twitter is the ultimate platform for for the
1: um, ability to leverage the hashtag. That's what I was looking for. Julio Viskovic, agree, disagree, what's your favorite social listening platform in any particular order and what do you think about the hashtag as a as a gift wrapped tie for social listening for businesses and, and any other quick tips you want to share as we dive into the how-to of being a great social listener. Julio?
3: Well, I absolutely agree uh, about the hashtag uh, and being just a perfect gift wrap gift for, for an organization because it allows you, as as just said, is to really dial in and find information that you didn't know existed before, Right. I mean, you can have several different hashtags monitoring those hashtags, which are different topics, and when you see someone that might be a prospect or someone you want to track closely, my suggestion would be to maybe add them to a list. Um, And by doing that, I mean, I'm also going to suggest that if you're going to call your list prospects or targets or anything like that, I'm also going to suggest that you make that list private. That way people don't know that they're on it and other people can't. Uh, find that list uh, in your profile. So if you're tracking, monitoring, and seeing people come through in some of these conversations you're listening to, add them to a list so that you can keep better tabs on them, track them, um, nudge them when you need to, but ultimately use them as a source to gather information, not only on them, uh, but also on their company. And I also just wanted to add quickly, going outside of, of just that particular use case, I also use hashtags to attend events. If I can't be in San Francisco or Chicago or New York or fly around each and every day to be at all these events that are happening, mm-hmm. I need to find out what the hashtag is so that I can keep my ear to the ground, be abreast of anything that's released, um, who's there, who's talking about the event. Um, you can use hashtags outside of just your standard day-to-day topical uses and, and take advantage of you know, making sure that you know what important events your prospects are at. Uh, which hashtags they're using, and start listening and be present.
1: I love it. Tell me, how do you make a list private? You mentioned that at the top, Julio.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a a very important feature if you're going to want to keep your list guarded. Um, If you want to keep it public, it's it's defaulted Mm -hmm. as public. But when you create a list on Twitter.com and you actually say create list, it gives you an opportunity. There's a pick box that you can select between private or public. And as I mentioned, if it's going to be a list you want to keep secret and not have potentially competitors coming by and following it or seeing who's on it, um, absolutely make it private.
1: Thank you very much. And guess what? While we were talking, I went to hashtag social listening. By the way, that's got two L's. The L that belongs to the tail end of social and the L that starts the word listening. It's all together. No dashes, no underscores. social listening. And I'm seeing all kinds of interesting people and in comments here. Uh, one quick question for you, Julio. Can anybody create a hashtag? Just create it and start using it and then get it out there on all kinds of tweets and see if people start to use it. Is it very organic to start a hashtag?
3: It can be, but you do need some buy-in from, from community. If one person's using it, then it's going to fall on deaf ears. Somebody's going to look at it, and they're just going to see one or two or three contributors and say, this is not worthwhile for me to follow or to be active in. Um, but by starting it and getting a good group of people and starting a groundswell, then it's very easy to start an, uh, a hashtag organically and actually help it grow. So I think if you do that with a group of people or you have an organic community um, that, that can help you start a hashtag, I think it's an easy way.
1: Thank you very much. Kirsten, love to have you chime in. Thoughts on hashtags? And let's talk about Twitter. Let's keep it going. What do you
4: think? Uh, I think Twitter is a great listening tool, but it it almost is really for a more advanced social seller. Um, oh. Many of our sales reps are not ready to engage on Twitter, uh, although we encourage them to at least listen to the conversation on Twitter because then they don't have to do anything. They don't have to, you know, they're not too worried about breaking anything because all they're doing is listening. It doesn't require any special tool or, or uh, making themselves vulnerable in any way. Um, but I do. I, I would say that it is more likely a... Uh, for a more advanced social social seller, just getting beyond the basics um, LinkedIn sales Navigator is a great tool for social listening. Uh, LinkedIn itself on your home page is a great place to to listen to to prospects and listen to your 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 network and see what 's being talked about but beyond those major social platforms, uh, many Industries and lines of business are not necessarily um, really active on the biggest social platforms. I'm thinking of some long, something along the lines of manufacturing uh, and those kinds of things, where uh, more local and regional communities are a great place to um, online communities are a great place to actually listen to the social conversation and understand the challenges and the. Um, perhaps new legislations and, and that kind of thing that are coming down and are going to affect that particular um, industry. Uh, so Twitter and LinkedIn are great, great places to listen, but also you need to have a, a good mix depending on where your audience is. Uh, and that, I think that's really the key thing, is is understanding where your people are talking and then going there to listen.
1: Kirsten, great insights. I have a question for you, if I may. Who decides the balance, the mix? Is it up to the individual sales rep, the newbie, the more experienced one? You mentioned that Twitter and hashtags are for a more advanced social selling, ex- a person who is is in a more advanced level of understanding all of this. And then you're talking about a learning curve, obviously. Is there such a thing as a social selling policy, a strategy that an organization has to put in a book or a digital, an e-book and hand out to its people and say, okay, we expect you to be on LinkedIn three hours a day and Twitter two hours a day, and we want to see you following this number of people, and we want to hear about this number of conversations a week. How does it work, and who's in charge of the balance, the mix, the elements of the mix, Kirsten? Let's talk about it from a a corporate or enterprise point of view, and then I'm going to want Hillary and uh, Julio to come in. What do you think?
4: Uh, we haven't gotten there yet, as far as I know. Maybe out there there are companies that are doing that and having that kind of... um you know oversight and and real policy around social media and social selling, but i don 't think we 're there yet with with social selling and social selling enablement. Um, most people are working really hard at getting you know getting themselves a really good LinkedIn profile, setting up themselves with a Twitter profile that reflects the same values and um, and brand that they want to uh, exemplify in their LinkedIn profile. And that's almost the the biggest where people mostly start. Beyond that, um, there are a couple. You know, we do actually have a, a new a pilot starting in Latin America where we have one person who is solely doing all of his prospecting on social, uh, and he's passing. He's doing great social listening and passing those leads along to um, to another. To the rest of his team, but he is using social solely for for all of his uh, prospecting and social listening and uh, and en- engaging in conversation on social, and and so it you know. But that's a, a pilot that we're starting. It's not something that's widespread across our organization. So I don't think that you know most companies probably aren't there yet. Okay, uh, Hillary, you started this
1: topic. We want to chime in on what Julio and Kirsten just added. Please. Yeah, in terms of uh, dedicating resources to social listening activities, one thing that I have
2: uh, um, learned recently, in Europe, uh, the pharmaceutical companies are all required by legis- by legislation on pharmacovigilance. Excuse me, I'm tongue-tied. Mm. Uh, the number one social media ad- uh, guideline for Europe is listening. And it means that, that healthcare companies are Actually required to conduct social listening to monitor for adverse events related mm. to um, pharmaceutical therapies and so on and so forth. So it, you know it depends on the industry, but European um, pharmaceutical industry is really ahead of the game, and they realize that that the information is incredibly powerful, and that social listening is actually a, a, a requirement. Uh, for pharmaceutical companies. And I think that will become uh, more widespread. Uh, it will cross over to North America when, when o- more organizations realize
1: uh, the power of the information that exists on social networks. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Julio, I want to go. Thank you very much, Hilary. That's. I'm trying to tweet that while I'm listening to you, and I'll do it when Julio is talking next. Julio, I want to go to some uh, more of your statements you sent me, your roundtable topics for this show you sent me before the show. And let's talk about, we've been talking in general about social listening skills and the purpose of listening and the training. Let's talk about when you have prospects who are already in your pipeline. You know them. You know who they are, and you want to find out more. So do you follow them? Do you dog them? Do you make a list of every hashtag they're following? Do you join every forum on LinkedIn where they are a member, whether they're active or just listening anonymously? How do you find the mix, the time, the balance to nurture that relationship through social listening? Any thoughts on that, Julio?
3: because it's something that I think we're all still figuring out how to do. And I think the first thing that I do before embarking on a listening project or working with a, with a group that wants to on social listening, it's finding out the demographics of their buyer and mapping them backwards to understand what networks we need to be on and perhaps what communities we need to be on. And I like what Kirsten brought up, is that when we think of social listening, it's not just social media. I mean, there's also other online communities where these folks could be at. And I think, Ronnie, you know, your point there is, yeah, sometimes it's not always, hey, they're going to be putting out, uh, I just got a demo from your competitor. Other times they're Mm -hmm. going to be already in the pipeline. And it's how do we then take the information that they're giving out and use it to our our advantage? And if I could say, you know, somebody's already in the pipeline, maybe they're not talking a lot on social, what I would recommend is using their profile as a guideline or a way to communicate with them. So really quick story is, you know, trying to reach out to somebody about three or four years ago, this is when I realized the power of social selling. I reached out via phone, via email, via all the regular channels, and it was a zero. Nothing. Nothing. For three months. So I think I decided to then look at Twitter at that time and looked at Mm -hmm. their profile and found out that they were a huge Green Bay Packers fan, right? And that's
4: just a little piece of
3: insight I was able to pull from some of their tweets that they put out on a Sunday. So I took that information and then brought it into my traditional communications and worked it in. So the subject line of my next reach-out email was, hey, how about them Packers? And then it went ah. into a more, of a, a more of a rapport-building beginning and then ultimately looked at booking a, a meeting towards the end of the email. And I'll tell you, after three months of doing banging my head against the wall, that one piece of insight that I pulled from their social channels and worked it in was the difference of getting a call ten minutes later.
1: Well, I am applauding you and that's a bravo. And it's so funny you mentioned that, Julio. I was, when I was just uh, researching the hashtag social listening a few minutes ago, we were talking about that. I saw a tweet from somebody who said social listening on Saturdays, not so much, not so good. (laughs) And, And you're saying listen on Sundays because damn it, people might be using a hashtag. For some personal information. Now, this brings up a question in my mind, at least, Julio, of stalking versus watching the information and using it in a social listening way that's not intrusive or big brother, big sister-ish. So it sounds like you found that balance, that mix to say, how about those Packers? Not, hey, I've been watching every move you make for three months on Twitter and, damn, you finally gave me something I could use and if I don't get this appointment with you, I'm going to drop off the face of the earth. It was, hey, how about those Packers? Really cool.
4: Kirsten, I'd
1: love to hear your comments on the story Julio shared. I thought it was great.
4: You know, those kinds of stories are just what makes me so excited because I really feel that social listening is a piece of the of the social selling puzzle that gets almost no love. Um, people don't see it as a as a way to really um, engage with their customers. They forget about that listening and how really valuable it can be. Um, When we get into a conversation with someone where we're, and I I mentioned this in my quote, you know, my opening quote was, we listen with the intent, okay, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? And without really listening to say, okay, I need to understand what he's talking about. And Julio was able to understand that this guy was a big Green Bay Packers fan and was able to utilize that to really talk to him and build that rapport and build that relationship. And relationship is... And I've said it before, you know, a relation, sales is all about relationships, and it always will be about relationships. And building relationships on social can be really, really easy if you utilize the, the social selling skills that you have available to you to really understand your customer and get um, and build that rapport with them really quickly and uh, in such a great way. So I'm. I'm Excited to hear that he has such a great story. Um, they, they're all over the place. People use social mm-hmm. listening to um, to really build those those relationships, and uh, we just need to share more and more of those. So I'm glad to hear it.
1: Now, Kirsten, before I let you go and rotate back to Hillary and Julio, question: I'm looking at your notes, and you say looking at Facebook profiles and Google Plus. Now, I'm curious and a little concerned about my question to Julio a moment ago. How do you not cross that line of personal stalking? So if you're looking at somebody's Facebook profile, and let's say Julio had done that and seen, uh, you know, Bob Smith, and he's got things about the Packers all over his Facebook page. He's at the game, and he's got the rah-rah, and he's with the cheerleaders, and his wife has got a Green Bay Packers uh, pretend cheerleader outfit if she's in good shape, whatever it is, and on and on and on, but Bob Smith is not tweeting about the Packers. If Julio were to use that information, how about those Packers? It would imply that he's been peeking at this person's Facebook page, which presumably is public, not just for friends who are or, or followers. So how do you bridge that gap? How do you walk that very fine line between knowing and using versus knowing, I'll say, with permission and using? Any thoughts on that,
4: Kirsten? Yeah and the thing is that people if they don't look at their own um profile settings and understand that they're whether or not they're using the right privacy uh level mm-hmm. um they you know it, they leave themselves vulnerable to that kind of thing and yep. <clears throat> I don't know that people would make that connection immediately they might say oh I wonder how they knew you know why he's interested yes. maybe he's interested in the Green Bay Packers too you know and knows that I'm in the area. I don't know. It it could be anything. It really could be. Um, But, yeah, people need to be aware of their own privacy settings. If they don't want people being able to look at their Facebook, they need to make sure that they use their their settings properly. Um, But for the most part, people, you know, when when people put things out there, they kind of expect that it's going to (laughs) be out there. Surprise, Um, and 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 could be used
1: towards, and could be and could be used, yes, and and could be welcome or what? Uh, Hillary, thoughts on this? Any any advice for the privacy settings versus use whatever you find and use it carefully? Yeah, I think we want to be careful about
2: about being perceived as. Um, stalking. Uh, where possible, I would stick to Twitter. I would stick to the transparent networks. It's it's hard to view LinkedIn profiles without being um, outed for doing so. But it is amazing what uh, Twitter can offer up uh, in terms of transparent information that's really incredibly useful. And I... I Encourage people to go to Twitter, whether it's just looking for somebody's individual profile or looking to see what other people are tweeting about that person. Even if the person you're hoping to meet with or develop a relationship with is not on Twitter, it's rare to find uh, no mention of somebody on Twitter, particularly somebody who's a business leader today. Usually they're being uh, referred to in a tweet or a conversation. And that kind of information is really powerful, uh, um, uh, the leader of, uh, the CEO of, of um, a Canadian bank was tweeting just about taking his dog for a walk. And if I were to meet with him, it would be a really nice way to uh, open our conversation by saying, you know, I see that you have a golden retriever. I have a dog as well. And then we make a connection about both mm-hmm. being dog owners. So the opportunities are all there. Uh, I think the transparent networks are the way to go. Twitter is definitely the way to go, whatever you can Mm -hmm. find online, but my point really is do your homework and take advantage of the market research, uh, the listening opportunities on social networks and on the Internet at large, and be prepared uh, and build the relationship based on good information that you're able
1: to find transparently. Thank you. Julio, this was your topic. We're almost ready for our predictions, but I want to have you chime in and wrap this up for us. Thoughts about the transparent networks. And Julio, please tell us, how much time should this take for a sales rep? Is this a twenty-four-seven, three-sixty-five 365 job? Is this three hours a day, four hours a day? Is this every Monday and Tuesday, and then you actually do some selling on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? How do you balance your time? Because everything we're talking about takes time. Julio?
3: yeah, so to to touch on the earlier um, topic, I mean, I think people have a different perception about social networks. And I think exactly what we mentioned is the perception is Facebook is slightly more private, whereas Twitter is you know full on public, ninety nine, almost one hundred percent of it, everything that goes on there is public. So that perception exists. So somebody who might get some information taken from their Facebook page might have you know some sort of reservations about having that used. However, Looking at it, the privacy settings are there. Um, you have to take control and you have to understand what information you're giving out. I think that's, you know, a, it's to be played out on both sides. First of all, your information's public. It's out there. It's usable. Um, but then again, hey, if you have that perception that it's private, you, then it might not be the best, you know, form to use something directly from their Facebook page. Um, however... Um, when I look at how much time somebody should spend doing these activities um, before jumping on a call, I think that you know, it's necessary to have social listening built into your day. Uh, absolutely, every single day. Does it have to happen you know, via hours in a day? No. I mean, I think you can work it into your routine. It just needs to be built into your regular routine. When you check your emails, now what, where do you have time set aside in your calendar to just quickly check into your social channels and, and listen? Um, so I think having that time set aside is a really good approach. And then I also think that consistently honing what you're doing on social will help you eliminate a lot of the time. And I'm going to sort of reference a um, uh, three by three rule, um, which is, you know, find three pieces of contextual information in less than three minutes on social media. So if you can keep that rule. Make sure that every time you do a reach out, a conversation with someone, a meeting, you spend that three minutes. You're going to be prepared and you're going to be able to accelerate the rapport and the relationship when it's time to meet.
1: Thank you very much. Kirsten, we're just about ready for our predictions, but I want to read one thing you may have mentioned, but it's worth repeating IMHO here, uh, a tip that you suggest to reps who are learning and espousing and using and living social listening. You say good listeners will engage the customer with another question to be able to listen further. And here comes the guts of the statement. Listen further to the nuances, undercurrents, and reading between the lines. And Kirsten, I I think you'll agree that's a skill in itself, especially with social where you're not face-to-face, you're not on the phone. It's all a question of any kind of signals, and, and you don't even have emoticons when you're tweeting and, and uh, when you're doing on LinkedIn. So, very interesting question. Just one sentence from you, Kirsten, before we go quickly to predictions. Reading between the lines, what's the best way to do that in social listening? Oh, it's
4: it's there's no, I don't know if there's any one best way to do reading between the lines. It's a skill that you have to, if you don't have it already, you have to develop it. You have to look for those hidden meanings, those, uh, why would somebody say something about that uh, mm-hmm. and looking beyond what they've said at face value? Uh, I don't know that it's possible to, to, um, to do it any one best way. You just have to build that skill.
1: Okay, I don't know if you remember the old joke about two psychiatrists uh, work in an office building. They happen to be in the elevator together. One was one looked at the other just before he got off and said, "Good morning," and then he got off at his floor. And the first ones in the elevator scratching his head and saying, "I wonder what he meant by that." <laughs> 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 there you go, kids. Oh, you're all too young to remember that one. Hillary Carter, I'm going to give you exactly 60 seconds. No more, no less for your predictions. Let's fast forward the conversation. How far in the future can you see in that crystal ball up there in Canada? And what would be different about social selling? Are you listening? Can you hear me? Hillary Carter, go. Okay, I'm only going to go out five years from
2: now and I'm going to say that we're going to notice a a dramatic increase in the levels of social listening that are taking place. And I believe that because uh, I believe that businesses have really no alternative, that we're going to have much more data in five years' time than we do today. Uh, The networks are still fairly new. Everyone's, Everyone's looking for proof of return on investment And now we're starting to see it. Now we're starting to see the data, Uh, statistics like 78% of sales teams who use social media to build relationships outperform their peers. And with each passing year, we're going to get more and more data that propels these activities forward. And so five years from now, we'll see it probably becoming
1: uh, a a standard form of, of market research. Thank you very much. And Julia Viskovic, we're ready for you. 60 seconds predictions. What do you see and how far in the future? Go.
3: I am going to look at five years into the future and I'm going to piggyback off Hillary because I mean, I see the same thing. I see the use of big data and metadata coming into play um, very much over the next five years. And, and when I say that, I mean it in the sense that today we're sitting here talking about social listening, going on Twitter, follow a hashtag, listen for stuff, go over to LinkedIn, see if anyone's connecting. But I think that in the next five years, we're going to figure out a way on how do we connect all of these dots how do I know right, right away that A, somebody's using this hashtag and exhibiting a buying signal on Twitter, but they've connected with one of my competitors on LinkedIn, and they've done X over on this network, and if I can have a way to aggregate and see that data in real time, that's when I think social listening is going to take the next step um, in its evolution, and I see that happening over the next five years.
1: Thank you. And I like the word evolution along with social listening. Kirsten Boyleau, 60 seconds. What do you predict?
4: I am predicting that we will see uh, sales reps taking Social listening much more seriously than they do now. It they often brush it off as you know, oh, one of those things. Uh, but I think we'll have even more proof points over the next few years that they will have to uh, really incorporate it into their everyday routine. And as Julio said, or Julio said, sorry, uh, that three by three rule. I talk about it all the time with my reps. Um, and it's just so powerful that just those three minutes to really understand what your customer is all about is so so powerful in building relationships. So I think that they're going to start to see that the true value of of social listening come through. And I think if we can also have um, some tools out there that are simple and easy to use for a sales rep who does not have a whole lot of time to spend. Uh, understanding, um, you know, or going into the social networks to really understand what their customer is all about, um, those will be very, very key to making social selling
1: uh, a true initiative. Thank you very much, Kirsten Boilo. Thanks for putting together this wonderful panel—articulate, interesting, engaged, informative. Thank you, Hillary Carter. Pleasure to speak with you again, Hillary from Intune—that's one word communications. Julio Viskovic at R Factor, R F A C T R. It's hard to spell, but it's worth knowing it. Julio, such a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for sharing your insights. And we love that story about the Packers. Go Packers! I want to thank all of you for being with us, and Justin as the, and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll actually be back in another hour with a new episode of business innovations with game changers in case you're new to game changers radio we have 18 series and 10 are currently in live production so find us on the business channel just look for that coffee cup logo and you'll know where we are so here's my call to action fasten your seat belt what are you waiting for especially if you're a social selling person a rep what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today and listen up talk to you later bye
0: bye Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.